What is up, pod people? This is Sam. And Katie. And you are listening to a funny conversation that's about to get real lit. lit. This is the show where me and my wonderful sister slash cousin talk about literature and movies while we are drunk because I have two degrees (laughs) in literature and my wonderful cousin over there on the other side of my Zoom (laughs) meeting is a self-imposed movie-holic, movie-file studier of all things movie. Yeah, so, I do a lot. So uh, settle back in, take a shot with us if you dare, and let's get real lit in here. Yeah. I'm so excited right now. I'm excited too because you haven't told me what you're doing, and I'm very excited and nervous. I'm going to do this for the – yeah, this is what's going to happen – you are keeping your choices from me, but now I'm going to be doing the same because I enjoy it. I enjoy no. being in control. There's I a like reason it. I'm keeping my choices <laughs> from you, but you can't keep all your choices from me because sometimes we're going to yeah, have to sometimes, do... sometimes we will collaborate. That yeah, is Yeah, we're going to have to collaborate true. at some point. <laughs> at some point. Okay. Today, I decided because last week... I gave everyone an entire 24-hour lecture on Pride and Prejudice that this week I would choose something that was customizable essentially to our time space and was also still something that is fun and still something that is classic lit uh, and something that everyone will be a little familiar with and yet also very unfamiliar with. I am covering some original Brothers Grimm fairy tales today. Interesting. How many of them are you covering? I did did notes for three of them, but if I do the worst like I did last week and I take, you know, four hours to cover one, then obviously we can stop there. But if they go quick, which I think will be good this week, you know, I can take one out or I can just do the full three or whatever. You should have told me I could have watched that movie with Heath Ledger and then we could have both done the Brothers Grimm. Oh my gosh. No. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Heath. Why would you bring up Heath now? I'm just sad. No, it's okay. I'll be fine. The Brothers Grimm. So since this is the first time in our podcast, we've talked about the Brothers Grimm. Let's talk about the actual brothers before we get into some of the fairy tales. So the brothers Grimm are Jacob Ludwig Karl Grimm and Wilhelm Karl Grimm. They are German. They are academics. They're philologists and philology is the study of ancient languages. They were cultural researchers. They were lexicographers. So lexicography is the mapping essentially or the like creation of dictionaries essentially like language compiling is what that is and of course they were authors so they were born a year apart from each other jacob is the eldest he was born in 1785 wilhelm is the younger he was born in 1786 irish twins yes 
And they are, of course, known because they collected and published folklore during the 19th century. And their publications and their collections of folklore essentially are the base foundation of all of the, you know, very well-known fairy tales that we all tell our children and know about and watch Disney movies about. Were there uh, stories before Hans Christian Andersen? That's a great question. I actually haven't looked into Hans Christian Andersen as much as I've looked into the Brothers Grimm. I I have Hans. I was say I have Hans Christian Andersen's collections, but I actually haven't done that yet. I believe they were around the same time. Yeah. So when were these boys around? when they were first publishing, when they were first publishing their stuff, it's like the beginning of the 1800s. Okay. They were born in the 1780s. Okay. So they were a little bit older than Hans Christian Andersen. Mm-hmm. He was born in 1805. And yeah, he, this checks out. He lived until 1875. So his stories came a little bit later. So mm-hmm. for those who don't know, Hans Christian Andersen is the other person yes. who is responsible for all the rest of the fairy tales that the Brothers Grimm didn't do basically the brothers and hans christian anderson wrote every story that you have ever seen (laughs) in a cartoon form yeah yeah now that you see that i can remember the small amount of stuff that i know about hans christian anderson which is that the brothers Grimm's were his literally like the last generation predecessor basically so when he was born when he was about between like 10 and 15 was when the brothers Grimm's publications were in their heyday so he was super inspired and wanted to do the same type of stuff from what i remember okay so they're obviously you know well known solely because of their collection of fairy tales. These fairy tales are mainly Germanic uh, slash the larger European area. They are popularized traditional like oral tales, essentially. So they are the reason that you know the stories of Cinderella, the Frog Prince, Hansel and Gretel, Rapunzel, Beauty and the Beast, Little Red Riding Hood, The Three Little Pigs, Rumpelstiltskin, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White. These are all the Brothers Grimm, okay? And these were all included in what is considered their classic collection, which is the Children's and Household Tales, or um, in German, it's uh, Kinder und Hausmarschen. Kinder und Hausmarschen. It's been way too long since I've had to speak German. Sorry, all of the people who are in Germany listening to that. Those were first published in 1812, and then the second collection in 1815. So essentially, they published the first half, 1812, and the second half, 1815. That was their first edition. They eventually published seven editions of this. Their seventh and final edition was published in 1857. And in between then, they had revised and collected just a shit ton of fucking fairy tales. More than 200, basically. They not only collected, but they edited a lot of the folk tales. They did that uh, based on lots of criticism, lots of reviews, because of the audience being that of children. So anytime they had reviews, that was about like 
oh, this story shouldn't have so much sex in it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> this story Maybe shouldn't tone have... it down on the murder. <laughs> yeah, this, 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 this story shouldn't have this much violence in it. Just a smidge. Like, they bring would down edit. The murder, bring down the murder, like, 5%. Yeah, essentially. But the other ways that they edited, actually, was that they did often take the stories that they collected in the greater part of Europe, and they would often revise elements of those stories to make them more Germanic, like traditional German themes. And they do get a little bit of criticism for that. There's a little bit of cultural appropriation discussions that happens um, because of them. But regardless, they are the reason that all of those tales essentially got spread throughout the entire world. So in 1838, you know, in the middle of their heyday, when they're publishing all their volumes of children's tales, they were also doing work not just in folk tales, they were publishing dictionaries. They did a massive historical German dictionary in 1838, but they only completed in their lifetimes as far as into the Fs, specifically on the word fruit. That's just an interesting trivia for them before they died and couldn't continue their work. The Brothers Grimm's tales are very, very influential, of course, in all of our storytelling. Uh, One in particular piece of very important and interesting information when it regards to the Brothers Grimm and their influence is during the 1930s and the 1940s, the tales of the Brothers Grimm were actually used by the Third Reich in Germany for propaganda. Of course they And what was happening then was they were using them essentially to try and reinforce the, you know, the master race, the Germanic traditional culture, which is how Disney essentially got their ties to Brothers Grimm's fairy tales because Disney's portrayals and their movie cartoons of some of these Brothers Grimm's fairy tales were in direct, essentially, response to the fact that the Third Reich was using this as propaganda, and they were taking those tales and trying to give them more Americanized, more Westernized, not Nazi-ish <laughs> types yeah. of approaches and ways to look at those stories. Disney yeah. was essentially trying to combat the way that the Third Reich was using the Brothers Grimm's tales. So that's yeah. why we got essentially Snow White the way that it was, um, Sleeping Beauty uh, the way that it was, things like that. Small tangent, if you are interested in learning about how art as a whole was used as propaganda during World War two you should look into that because there's some really interesting stuff that was done not only about the brothers Grimm by the third reich but also classical music the, mm-hmm. way, the way that hitler oh yeah took, the um took over opera houses and controlled composers flight of the valkyries yeah all forever of, tainted oh yeah Re- richard wagner like was basically recruited by the third reich and forced to compose solely for german like propaganda mm-hmm. essentially It's interesting and horrifying. Like I can't, it's hard to picture now since we're so far away from World War II, like to picture that happening now as art being taken over by uh, whatever politics. But at the same time, it's like, this is the same shit that's happening now. Right now in America. At any 
from anything. Like, if you are interested at all, I highly recommend looking into some of the stuff that the Third Reich did for propaganda yeah. usage regarding the arts. Like, mm-hmm. not only reading and writing like the Brothers Grimm, but music like Richard Wagner and art. physical art. Like, Movies. they went- everything like the way that they used the big german names quote unquote of the time is a little insane and if you you know kind of compare that to what's happening now it's it's intense and it'll Mm -hmm. be a little heartbreaking but you'll learn a lot so check that out very very true yeah um something that is not very known of hitler is that he was actually an artist he and he actually wanted to be an artist as his original ambition in life yeah. and he was rejected from art school and that and rejection that is what led him, him to and was like i'm going to murder everybody yeah that his rejection from art school is was what led him to become the rebellious and political figure that he became because he became obsessed with trying to figure out what it was about himself essentially that wasn't good enough for the art school and it drove him and he just fucked up the whole world for it yep anyway after that sadness. So let's talk a little bit about the Brothers Grimm just for a little bit more and then we'll get into their their fairy tales. So Jacob, like I said, it was the eldest. Wilhelm is born almost like a year later. They're about a, a year and a month apart. Jacob was insane. born Jacob was born on my father's birthday, January fourth, seventeen eighty five. Uh, and Wilhelm was born on the 24th of February, 1786. Their father was a jurist, and their mother was the daughter of a city councilman. They were the second and third eldest of their surviving siblings, and their family had nine children altogether. So, I bet that older brother including them, they had yeah. So, including them, they had seven siblings altogether. Three of those siblings unfortunately died in infancy. Sounds right. So they had four surviving siblings. Seventeen hundreds. Sounds about right. Yeah. Eventually, as they grow up, they have very similar tastes. They take them to similar places, basically, no matter what it is that they're doing. They are pretty much interested in the same things all the time at the same time together. They become teachers, basically. But after they retire from teaching, they devote themselves to trying to create the German dictionary. And Wilhelm is actually, even though he is the youngest, he is the first to die. He dies in Berlin in 1859. Um, He had an infection, basically, and they're not really sure why, but whatever complications arose from that infection led him to die. I'm going to guess probably syphilis, Mm -hmm. because look at all the big, like, if you... Lots of stuff. If you study history at all, the 1800s, if nothing else, they were rampant with syphilis. <laughs> like, yeah. Dear God, everyone <laughs> famous died of complications. Syphilis, syphilis. century. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> like, just a shot. like it's a 50-50 shot. I'm gonna say syphilis. Yes, for for sure. <laughs> There's a a good shot in the dark there. Yeah. So he dies in um, 1859. Jacob, in response to this, becomes very reclusive. He's very upset about it. He continued his work, but he dies not very long after, in 1863, just four years after his brother dies. Jack Zipes 
is uh, one of the kind of like leading scholars on the Brothers Grimm's. He writes of their dictionary and of their huge, large body of work that it's pretty symbolic that they ended their entire lives work on in the dictionary. Their last word was fruit, basically, because they grew so much and so much of what they put out in the world produced just so much growth and fruition essentially of modern cultural ideas of what stories are but yeah their collections of their published tales they really really wanted them to be a reflection of german cultural identity they like i mentioned earlier were a little unfortunately very heavily into cultural appropriation <laughs> particularly they have lots of french tales that they kind of bastardize into being germanic Snow uh white that's a in particular tale. in particular yeah charles perrault who is a very well-known um folktale writer as well he is french he published his like french folk tales in paris in 1697 those were written for like the aristocracy basically of france and they took a lot of peralt's stories and very heavily made them german Peralt essentially created a myth that his tales were from the common people and that they reflected existing um like folk tales but this was essentially just a myth like he just created it so that he could justify including them because much of peralt's work actually as they found out through more research were originals not actually traditional folk tales. So Charles Perrault actually is the author of lots of folk tales that we know in our day and age. So that is the Brothers Grimm information. And today I have for us prepared three, potentially less than that if we need to cut ourselves for some time, but I have three tales that I prepared notes for today. So the first tale that we have here is the Brothers Grimm's Rapunzel. So in the traditional Rapunzel tale, there is a husband and a wife. They live in a cottage that is next door to a sorceress. Everyone knows that this sorceress lives there. Everyone, you're so excited. If you could see Katie's face right now, she is yes. just it's glowing. into the woods. Oh yeah, like it's into the brothers the woods. Grimm into the woods. It's all great. Oh my god, I love into the woods. It's, Sondheim, is, my yes. entire Sondheim, life. Sondheim crushed it. The brothers <laughs> Grimm story of Rapunzel is the story of the baker and his wife in Into the Woods. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm excited that you chose the Brothers Grimm because I actually like have knowledge about that. Yeah, that's why I was saying like when you asked, you were like, have I read this before? And I was like, yeah. how do I answer this question? Yes, I don't know. Yes, how to I have this read question. them before and I have knowledge about them on many mediums. Yes. So uh, like I've read the stories, like I've read the physical stories from the Brothers Grimm because I have the big compilation. Nice. Yes. Got- okay. Look. Okay. This is mine. Okay. Did give me a second. I'll go- give me a second. I'll go get mine. Okay, so here's mine. Oh, it's so pretty. That's the Barnes & Noble one, isn't it? Yes, it is. So, I was going to say, I recognize it. So Barnes & Noble, 10 years ago or so, they started doing these big collections of all the classics. 
I have the Grimm fairy tales. I have the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales. Yes. And then I've got some other books that I have fit in. Bullfinch's mythology from their classics collection. Yeah, I have some other stuff that fits. I have the Alice in Wonderland, the Lewis Carroll collection that fits in like with this same, it's like the same binding and same mm-hmm. look and everything. So yeah. if I had it on a regular shelf, it would be very beautiful and would all look the same. <laughs> but I do not have mine set Something up on a regular like shelf. Yeah. I don't have enough bookshelves in my house to do all that. Um, yeah. Those are my Harvard classics collections, which were a gift from my uh, father-in-law. He very generously, very sweetly one year spent meticulous months of his time trying to find uh, the to find same everything. volumes of the entire Harvard collection of that year that he was looking for. And he gave those all to me as separate presents one year for my birthday. It was like, uh, my That's mind was cool. blown. I was just like, I don't even know what to say. Like, I am so fucking happy. <laughs> yeah. The only reason this is not on my bookshelf, like I have the space in my bookshelf, but the way that my bookshelf is set up, like the top half of it is all books and the second half of it is boxes because it's one of those like cube things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I have the boxes that fit in the cubes. So I have a bunch of books that are set in those boxes. Yeah. Um, Only because I don't have enough books to fill up a whole row. Um, and I have other things like single edition comic books, like all in a big box because that's what makes sense. Right. Right. So rather than have, you have like a thematic type of, it looks better this way. Yeah. It's very, it's very visually aesthetic. Yes. uh, That is my whole thing. (laughs) So I can't, (laughs) I can't have my brother's grim book out on the shelf, but if it was, it would be Right next to Han Christian Andersen, right next to Wicked, like the whole Wicked story. I have those in the big Barnes and Noble versions too, so. Wonderful. Amazing. Um, I'm so excited. Even though you think you know these classic fairy tales, um, if you've never actually read the original Brothers Grimm, you will be very surprised. Yes. So the, the, the Disney-fied versions that we know about these types of fairy tales are quite different from yeah. many of the originals. We're talking so, about Rapunzel, right? Yeah, we're, right this now we're talking about Rapunzel. Tangled. No, this is not definitely tangled. not tangled. A thousand percent not tangled. So... Um, but There's any of the Brothers Grimm's are just so freaking different than so, what the Disney versions are. There's a reason that NBC had a show called Grimm that lasted like eight seasons. Um, yes. And it was dark and creepy and about monsters, kind of supernaturally in a way, because yeah. the Brothers Grimm are grim as fuck, okay? That yes. shit is dark. There is lots of murder and lots of all sorts <laughs> of crazy shit. Accurate. <laughs> lots of crazy shit that happens Very in, the, crazy. in the true stories of the Brothers Grimm. Yes. Okay. We are at Rapunzel. So Rapunzel begins, there's a husband and wife. This married couple lives next door to a sorceress. Everyone knows in their village that the sorceress lives here. Everyone knows that and they are afraid of her hella. So the wife becomes pregnant. And when she is pregnant, she's like looking out her window one day and she sees in the garden next door, remember her next door neighbor is the sorceress, 
She's looking at this uh, witch's garden and sees this particular lettuce and is like, I need to eat that lettuce right the fuck now. Pregnancy cravings. Pregnancy cravings to the fucking max. And she is very much like, I need to eat that so badly that if I don't eat it, I will probably die. And she goes to her husband and tells him this basically. Rampion. Rapunzel actually. The lettuce's name is Rapunzel. Well, that's interesting because in my version, it says Rampion. Mm-hmm. They change it to Rampion uh, later on, but the original is the actual name, which will make sense, of course, later. Is your version, is your version the original or does your version say yeah. Rampion? So this is by Zipes. So Zipes is like basically the leading scholar on Brothers Grimm's stuff. Yeah. This is... All of their classics that they um, wrote and published in all of their classics collections, plus their tales that they didn't publish or they published only in different collections or some that they didn't publish at all, but were like just in annotations from their notes and things like that. Yeah, it's essentially like all of their like work compiled into one. So I'm looking through mine, and mine doesn't list who compiled it or anything. It just says Barnes and Noble, yeah. you know, did it. Uh, like this, what does it say? It says, this edition published by Barnes and Noble, Inc., by arrangement with Doubleday Book and Music Clubs, Inc. Basically, that's it. It doesn't say anything else. So it's interesting that the version that you have says Rapunzel, and the version that I have does not. Mm-hmm. Like, why would they change it? What was the point of changing it? And why would you not credit the person who changed I don't- it? I think that it's changed because uh, what they called Rapunzel back then, we would call Rampion today. Oh, that makes sense. So they just modernized it by saying Rampion. Yes. Got it. Yeah. I think that what was the original name was Rapunzel, and that's why that name lives on, but that's not the name of the specific green that we talk about today. Um, I appreciate that, but I also need to Google what Rampion is because- I couldn't tell you what that looks like. So <laughs> I'm going to Google Rampion while we continue. Sorry, I keep interrupting. The Rampion, my champion, my favorite. I should have laid a spell on him. Exactly. Right exactly. Could have turned him into a stone or a dog exactly. or a chair. But yes. I let him have the Rampion. I'd lots to spare. Sorry, yes. I could do the entire witch's rap uh, right now. Sorry. <laughs> that's because Bernadette Peters slash Meryl Streep, they're both fucking fantastic. Yes. Give it to me. Yes. All of it. Okay. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Huge. Well, there's going to be a lot tangent. of tangents because huge, le- huge we have a lot of tangent right we now. We have a lot to say. <laughs> okay. I looked up Rampion and honestly, shit looks gross. Like, I don't know why anyone would want to eat this. <laughs> but pregnancy cravings, am I right? That's all I'm saying. I guess. It looks this like wife, a carrot. I'm she's pregnant and she is like look at that Rapunzel slash Rampion. I need it. She needs it so bad. She goes to her husband and is like, do you see that fucking Rapunzel over there in the sorceress's garden? I need to fucking eat that. And he's like, I can't do that. That belongs to a fucking witch. And she's like, I will die. Like me and your child will die if I can't eat this. Oh, it does. Oh, it looks so weird. Like a- that's not it a looks thing. Like I'm a like fraggle. Yeah, that just looks like a fucking like a weird like fraggle bush. rock. Yeah, that doesn't look like something <laughs> that I want to eat. 
But good on you, Baker's wife. Sure, why not? She's hashtag living that healthy keto lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? She sure is, because this is like (laughs) weird plant. This just looks like a weed. (laughs) So she's like, do you want me and your baby to die? No, then go and get me that Rapunzel is basically what she tells her husband. So he's like, okay, I guess I have to go and steal a witch's freaking garden lettuce. So he goes, he gets it. Everything's cool. He brings it back. And they make a salad of it, and she is just loving the shit out of it, but it makes it worse because the minute she eats it, she's like, I actually need to eat this every day of my life until I give birth. So, like, you have to go get more because I will 100% now die. And he is just like, okay, well, shit. So he goes back. This time, it does not go according to plan. The sorceress is like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? Thieving my fucking shit out of my garden. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I live next door. You may have recognized me. We've lived here for a while. But you know my wife. She's over there. She's prego. She just needs this Rapunzel. She's been yelling about it since like yesterday that like she's going to die if she doesn't have it. And I just did that. I didn't mean any disrespect. Please don't kill me. When he says this, the sorceress is like, oh, okay. You know what? That's fine. That makes sense. That, that's okay. You can take, in fact, all of the Rapunzel that you want. I mean, I'll let you do this. But when your wife gives birth, I get the baby. And the dad is like, uh, dot, dot, dot. And she's that's like, a promise I can't make. <laughs> and she's like, you not my body, that. not my choice. <laughs> right? He's the hashtag like woke dad. She's like, you don't have to worry about the baby. I will take care of that baby like it's my own child but that's my terms. You can take it or fucking leave it. And he's like, either my wife and my baby die or I give the baby away. So I guess I have to choose that. So he chooses that. He takes the Rapunzel. He gives it to his wife and everything is cool for the rest of her pregnancy. So when this happens, she gives birth. The sorceress takes her and names her, of course, after the lettuce that the wife freaking needed while she was pregnant. So that is why she is named Rapunzel. So Rapunzel is a beautiful child, and she's wonderful, and she's smart. When she is 12 years old, however, suddenly the sorceress decides she's going to lock her in a tower in the middle of a random-ass forest, for no reason like there's zero reason given (laughs) i mean okay okay i will give you reason because back in the time that rapunzel supposedly took place 12 was marrying and childbearing age don't worry we'll get there so that's that's why she locked her up said oh you can have babies now nah son get in that tower like yeah no No one's gonna see you will 100% get there later in the story. (laughs) So she's 12 years old and the witch is like, cool, you have your period basically. Now I'm going to lock you in a tower in the middle of the forest. There's going to be no stairs. There's going to be no doors. There's going to only be one window up at the top of the tower. And that is going to be the only way to get in or out. And every time I need to get in or out, I'm just going to be at the bottom of the tower and I'm going to be like, Rapunzel, give me your fucking hair. 
and your hair is hella long at this point because we've never cut it and it's just like gorgeous like it's this beautiful hair that has just never been touched by anything so they have a hook that Rapunzel wraps her hair her long ass braids at this point around the hook to brace it then let's her braid down so it's not just like she throws her braid out and she is like by her own strength pulling people up that's not how it goes yeah because that would rip your whole scalp off for fucking real like it's not it's not a thing no they have like a hook that hangs from like the top of the windowsill basically she wraps her braid around that to brace it and then she throws the rest of her braid down and that's how the witch gets in and out that is the only entrance into the tower So one day, there is a prince from some random-ass surrounding land. It is the son of a king. He's running around on his horse doing whatever the fuck princes do, and he hears singing. This is Rapunzel, because Rapunzel has shit all to fucking do in a tower where she can't fucking escape. So she, like, hangs around and sings all the time, because why not? Listen to the opening song of the movie Tangled, and you'll understand. Yes. That is the only applicable thing about Tangled (laughs) for this thing, is that opening song where she's like, what do I do all day? Because I can't do anything. That's the only applicable thing. usual morning, line up. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) She uh, just so lists her whole day, and she's like, well, this is repetitive as fuck, but I'm going to do the same nothing. shit I did yesterday, and I, I'm going to clean, and I'm going to cook, and I'm going to feed, and I'm going to do this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So she is, like, singing. She sings all the time, but it just so happens one day this prince is, like, riding around on his fucking horse, and he hears her, and he's like, god damn that is the best voice i've ever fucking heard is that an angel what is that he follows it he sees that it's a woman up there and he tries to get up there but he's like there ain't no fucking door there ain't no fucking stairs how do i get up there apparently i fucking can't and he's like upset so he has to leave but he's like i can't ever forget this like she was the most beautiful yes very sprung this is the most beautiful girl i've ever seen that voice was enchanting so he goes back every day to listen to her sing and one day when he's there he happens to be there at the time of day when the witch comes back to the tower and he watches as the sorceress says rapunzel throw your fucking hair down at me and Rapunzel throws her hair down and she climbs up into the window and he's like, oh shit, that's what I gotta fucking do. Okay, I got this. So the next day he comes when the witch is not there and he shouts, Rapunzel, give me your fucking hair so I can come up there. Rapunzel apparently just doesn't notice that this is a dude that's saying this which is absolutely absurd. absolutely absurd like you were i don't know how many years have passed since you were 12 and you got locked in that tower but guaranteed if your witch mom quote unquote was the only fucking voice that you had heard in years you would instantly recognize the fact that a man voice i've ever fucking heard that a man is being like hey let your hair down like bitch but apparently this flies right the fuck past rapunzel apparently they sound so fucking similar that she's like oh yeah cool and she throws her fucking hair down either he's really effeminate or that witch (laughs) is really butch 
That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying. There's some gender queer discussions that could be happening right now. Absolutely. So he comes up in and she's like, what the fuck are you? I literally ain't ever seen a fucking man before. Holy shit. And he's like, listen, no, it's cool. It's cool. Everything is cool. I'm a dude. I'm a prince. I love you. I heard you singing. You're the shit. You're hot. I just am here because I love you and I want to like make you my wife and like you can go and be a princess. And she, despite the fact that this is literally only the second person that she's ever met in her entire life, is like, you know what? Yeah, okay, that's cool. Um, I'll marry you. But uh, I have to figure out how to get fucking down because you can get down from my hair, but how do I get the fuck down? So like you're going to have to come back every night and every night you come back, bring me some silk and I will weave a silk ladder so that I can climb the fuck down. And he's like, cool, we got this. So time goes by and he's coming every fucking night. And one day, literally, she just accidentally blurts out that the prince exists. One day, she lets her hair down for her fucking witch mom to come in and the witch is coming in and Rapunzel is like, Jesus, why are you so fucking fat? Like, the prince isn't this fucking fat. Like, he comes up, like, so fast. In my version, the exact wording is, Mother Gothel, how is it that you climb up here so slowly and the king's son is with me in a moment? Yes. Like, literally. How dumb are you? Like, you just fucking forgot suddenly that you can't be saying this shit? This is a secret love affair, bitch. (laughs) Like, you can't be just like, yeah, my boyfriend got in my room in like 2.5 seconds, bitch. Where you at? Like, come on. So she says this. She blurts it out because she's a child. She's 12 and she doesn't know what the fuck is happening. Which is also problematic as fuck in this day and age. Just at way. least Disney like made her 18. Thank Rapunzel God. was 18 in the Disney version. Thank, Thank God. God. So she blurts this out and the witch is like, oh, excuse me. Oh, okay. You trifling. Like you're a fucking trifling bitch. Oh, okay. That's fine. That's, that's totally fine. Come here. She cuts Rapunzel's hair off and takes Rapunzel to a remote, like it is not referenced where the fuck this is. It is an undisclosed quote unquote desolate land of misery (laughs) that's what she does once she does that she returns back to the tower in enough time to wrap the braid that she just cut off of rapunzel's fucking head onto the hook to brace it and waits so the prince comes because he doesn't know what the fuck has happened and he's like rapunzel give me your fucking hair i'm here bitch and the witch lets down rapunzel's braid that is braced on the hook the prince comes up he climbs in he turns around and he's like hey boo (gasps) and the witch is like yeah surprise bet you thought you'd seen the last of me bitch like you caught and uh now you about to die He's so upset that the witch has caught them that the witch doesn't have to do anything to him. He throws himself out the window to try and kill himself. He doesn't succeed, but he lands in a huge ass thorn bush, basically, and his eyes get gouged out by the thorns. So the prince is blind now, can't see a fucking thing, and he just wanders around the forest 
for years and years. He's eating whatever he can find that he can put in his mouth and that like doesn't kill him basically. And he's just wandering around and crying and it sucks. Eventually he wanders his ass into the quote unquote desolate land of misery. This is years later. Rapunzel is in, of course, this land. By the way, our storytellers, the great Brothers Grimm, now tell us that she's not alone. She's here in the land of misery with her children, her twins, because the prince and Rapunzel clearly fucking boned in the tower. I mean, that makes sense. One hundred percent, they boned the shit out of themselves when he was seeing her in the tower, because when he comes and finds her, she has twins and she's been there for years. He hears her singing like he heard her the first time and he's like, that's my bae. And he follows it. She sees him and she's like, that's my bae. They embrace. She's upset. She cries. Her tears fall into his eyeballs. Her tears are clearly what we need to bottle and put into every single medicine on earth because they cure his blindness he suddenly has eyeballs again and he can fucking see and he's like great now that i can see we get to all go back to my kingdom and live happily ever after and that fucking happens and that's the end of rapunzel (laughs) so i need i need the version that you have that has a little bit more detail because my version of Rapunzel, like I was reading along with my version as the things were happening yes. that you were saying. My version's only three pages. And oh, Rapunzel's pretty short here too. Like I I kind of editorialized to make missing, it understandable. But yeah. a, I think it's just missing of like a little bit of detail that I think your version has more than mine. So yeah. I should probably get your version of Brothers Grimm because it's here, bro. I liked it. For show. That is Rapunzel. All right. I have That was another, another thing. The, the I will say the tears, the magic power tears are also another thing Disney got right. And the fact that the mother was named Mother Gothel, that is the name of Yes. That is that is the original name in Brothers Grimm. Yes, that is the true name of the sorceress. Her name is Gothel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean, the way that they changed it in Disney's version is that rather than being next door neighbors to the witch, Rapunzel in the Disney version was a princess. She was born from a king and a queen, and they ended up stealing the magic flower that gave the witch her powers. Right. Kind of like the magic beans in Into the Woods. Into the Woods, It's yeah. like, it's a complex, it's very, very convoluted. Strange. If you, if yeah. you make yourself really familiar with the stories of Brothers Grimm. Yeah, I was going to say, and, there's a mixture of the stories that yeah, is occurring. If, if you read Into the Brothers Grimm and also uh, watch or listen to the soundtrack to Into the Woods on Broadway mm-hmm. and follow along with the Disney stories, you will get... Yeah. a whole big convoluted version of each of these fairy tales and they yes. all kind of they work together but disney is not giving you the whole thing no like into the woods isn't giving you the whole thing but if you they're put essentially into the woods, combining a lot of very tiny stories yeah. and taking those elements and including them in the more rich stories because yeah. like i said in the beginning there's over 200 grim tales can yeah. you name over 200 fairy tales right now odds are you can't and that's because 211 they, in my version yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, I think mine is, like, 240-something. I don't remember what it is. Yeah, you got the extra ones that weren't translated in Yeah, version. they're, like, these include the um, annotations, and so there's, like, early versions of some of the later tales, in fact, sometimes. So you can even see, like, how they were originally and the annotations and then the notes that they wrote and then how they eventually changed them for when they published them in the collections. But, yeah. like, name over 200 fairy tales for me right now. You can't. Yeah. That's because the modern and the, the most popularized ones that we know, they were taken from these and and then all of the tiny ass ones that were also included in these collections, bits and pieces of the like motifs and the, you know, repetitive kind of themes were just included in to those larger tales to make them be able to like span a movie essentially. Yeah. So let's do Cinderella, our next grim fairy tale. Cinderella begins with a father and a mother. They have only one daughter, but the mother is dying. She says to her daughter, essentially, listen, babe, just be good your whole life, you know, like I taught you. And when I'm dead, come visit my grave every day. You do this and you're being a good girl. I promise you, I will watch over you fucking always. And the daughter does this because the mom dies very soon after saying this. So she goes and visits her mom every day. After a year from when the mom died, her father remarries. He remarries a woman that has two daughters already. So there's two stepsisters. Both the stepmom and the stepdaughters are all very beautiful, but they're all 1,000% assholes. And... They treat the daughter, the original daughter, like shit. They force her to be a slave, basically. They not only force her to do, like, their chores and what, like, a slave would do, but they are constantly, like, essentially bullying her. Like, they'll throw, you know, like, a huge sack of beans into the fireplace, and they'll, so, like, she will have to go and pick out all of the fucking beans back from the fireplace because they can't fucking waste that shit because they'll starve. You know what I'm saying? And that's her job. They're just absolutely awful fucking people. They're trying to constantly humiliate her. They take away her bed. So she doesn't have a room. She doesn't have a mattress. They take it away from her. So she has to sleep in the softest place in the house, which is essentially next to slash almost in the fireplace where all of the ashes are. So she's constantly looking fucking ratchet because she's constantly covered in ash. They call her Cinderella because of this. Cinder. She's covered in cinders. So we're not talked to about the dad this entire time, which to me just says that apparently the dad is just fucking cool with this, which I just don't fucking understand. But, you know, it's the 1800s and... Obviously, the patriarchy rules. So the dad is obviously cool with this, and this is just how fucking Cinderella's life goes. One day, he's going, like, off, like, into town or whatever. He's like, what can I bring my baby daughters? 
and the stepsisters like ask for typical shit Cinderella asks very specifically out of the blue we are not explained why for the first branch that hits his hat and makes his hat fall off when he is riding to town that's what she asks for and he's like okay and he does this as he's riding a branch hits his fucking hat knocks it off so he breaks off that branch and he brings it back to fucking Cinderella when he comes home from the fucking town. She As it takes- turns out, mental <laughs> abuse will fuck you up mentally. <laughs> right. She Who has, knew? She's Who clearly knew, not guys? in her right mind. Who knew? <laughs> she's been abused for years by her stepmom and stepsisters. Now she's asking for crazy shit like a tree branch. <laughs> Who the fuck would have guessed that broken ass Cinderella right. got a broken oh, ass mind? You abuse your child, your child is going to be broken. That's crazy. Anyway, he gives this to her. She's like, cool, cool. She takes the branch. She plants the branch into the ground above her mother's grave. And she sits there and cries over it. And she cries so fucking hard over it day after day. That this branch, despite this making literally no biological sense, grows into a tree. (laughs) And the tree has a bird in it. It's a white bird. This bird, once it has eventually grown, anytime Cinderella goes to her mom's grave to this fucking tree and wishes for something, the bird fucking gives it to her. Like, that happens. So... Why Girl. she doesn't take advantage of this right the fuck now? Girl. It's <laughs> beyond me. Man. But apparently she just doesn't understand the power at her fingertips. And so Mental she has illness a tree. is serious, guys. <laughs> Mental illness is Where a the real per- issue. And clearly <laughs> we've been dealing with it for 400 years. 400 for years at least. At least. Cinderella was clearly mentally ill. So she has this tree. There is a bird in it. It's a white bird. This bird gives her anything she fucking wishes anytime she goes there. She doesn't take advantage of this for who the fuck knows. Years go by. The king of their area is throwing this huge festival. It's a three-day festival. And all of the eligible young women are invited because his son needs a fucking ass bride. And Cinderella is like, fuck yeah, I want to go to this. So she's like, hey, stepmama, I want to go to this. Her stepmom's like, lol, yeah, right. You know what? I'm going to throw this huge bowl of lentils into the fire. If you can pick up all of these lentils in two hours, you can go. Cinderella is like, okay, sure, no problem. She goes outside and talks to the birds and says, hey, birds, come the fuck help me. And every bird in existence on the earth comes to help her. Another time, (laughs) we're into the woods, got it 100% right. Like, this is some shit in Into the Woods. The stepmom was like, bitch, get these lentils out of this fireplace. And Anna Kendrick was like, birds from the leaves. Pick these birds from the ashes. Yes. yes, Pick the lentils from the ashes. And just over and over again. And all the birds came and they picked out all the lentils from the ashes. And that was it. Good job, Stephen Sondheim. 
Sondheim is where it's fucking at. But I need to stress this because the way it was written in The Grimm's Tale, it's not just some birds that live in the forest next to them. The description is every bird under heaven. So every bird that exists on the entire planet Earth responds to this bitch's call and goes in... (laughs) And let takes me, the fucking lentils out. Let me read it verbatim. I'm going to read it verbatim. Version. Okay. So Cinderella says, she sings, Oh, gentle doves, oh, turtle doves, and all the birds that be, the lentils that in the ashes lie, come and pick up for me. The good must be put in the dish, the bad you may eat if you wish. Then there came to the kitchen window two white doves, and after them some turtle doves. And at last, a crowd of all the birds under heaven, chirping and fluttering, and they alighted among the ashes, and the doves nodded with their heads and began to pick, peck, pick, peck, and then all the others began to pick, peck, peck, pick, until all the grains were into the dish. Yep. So even though this doesn't make physics sense, spatial sense, every single bird that exists fits their asses into her house, picks up all her lentils, even though this should make it instantaneous, it takes them like an hour or whatever. <laughs> so she goes to her stepmom and is like, here you go. And stepmom's like, mm, nah, that's not good enough. What you know bitch. what? Here you go. I'm going to pour two huge bowls of lentils into the fire. But this time you only have one hour to pick them all up. Then if you do that, you can go, yes. <laughs> Katie is flipping off the camera. Right, exactly. Fuck Lady Tremaine. Fuck her. <laughs> Fuck Lady Tremaine. And so Cinderella is like, yeah, yeah, that's fucking absolutely doable. I just had every single bird that exists in the universe in my house. I can do it again. It's not a big deal. So she so goes. she sings the same song. And literally does it again. And every bird that lives on the fucking earth comes back again and picks it all up. And this time they do it in 30 minutes. And I would have, if I was one of those birds, I would have said, bitch, can you not? Like, pick up your own damn lentils. Goddamn. So Cinderella brings them back to her stepmom and is like, did it fucking again? And the stepmom is like, yeah, this is awkward because you're still not going. I don't fucking care. So lol, bye. Peace out, bitch. And they just all Lady Tremaine again. So Cinderella is like, that's some fucking bullshit. And she goes to her mom's grave to her mom tree that has a bird that gives you anything you desire. Let me a just fairy reiterate. A if you will. Just, just let me reiterate. <laughs> and she's like, I need to fucking go to this ball. So the bird drops some bomb-ass clothes on top of Cinderella's head. Bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, bitch. Here's <laughs> so a dress. she puts this shit on. She goes to the festival. She's so beautiful that The even- King's Festival? Yes. Sorry, I'm too drunk. The festival? The King's we're talking about Festival? A, we've been talking about Sondheim and all. Please. <laughs> yes, the yes. King's Festival. Exactly. Amazing. So she goes to the festival. She's apparently just so fucking transformed by these clothes that not even her father or her stepsisters or her stepmom recognize her. They're like, who the fuck is this? Must be some like foreign lady. The prince is like, who that? Who that over there? And is like, she mine. That's who that is. 
and doesn't let her go all night. It literally is made a point of in the story that other dudes come up to her because they want to dance with her. And the prince is like, back the fuck up. <laughs> She's lying. <laughs> So the end of the night comes and she's like, I gotta fucking go. And he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna walk you to your house. And she's like, uh so they're like walking. They get to her house, but they don't go into the house. Instead, she goes into their dove coat. So what a dove coat is is essentially a like birdhouse. <laughs> basically <laughs> you know like if you made a pen for your goats or something but it's not for goats it's for birds <laughs> got it like that's a what poop. a dove coat is yes like she just like goes to her house and she's like uh-huh in the middle of conversation and then just stops and runs off into the fucking dove coat <laughs> and apparently he can't run in after her and he's like, oh my god, what can I fucking do? She's running to the dovecote. Meanwhile, she runs out the back of it. Dovecotes are not big, mind you. Just FYI. They're not huge. They're not like buildings or anything. They're tiny ass little fucking things. But she runs out the back of it. And he can't see her now that she's run out of the back of it. So she runs <laughs> away returns the clothes to her mom's grave and then runs roundabout back to the house and puts her regular ass clothes on and pretends that she's asleep in the fucking fireplace like normal. So the prince is outside of the dovecote of her house like, what do I do? I Just clearly can't fucking go into Just this. Confused as fuck. And so eventually her dad and her fucking stepmom and stepsisters come home because they're coming home from the fucking festival. And the prince is like, dude, my bae ran into your fucking dove coat. Can you like go get her? The father is like, yeah, absolutely. And he just tears his own dove coat apart. He just shreds it. He can't like go in there and like look around. No, he clearly has to tear the entire fucking thing down. <laughs> And there's no one there. And they're like, oh, what the fuck? They go into the house and Cinderella is asleep in the ashes. So the dad is like, yeah, man, I don't know where your fucking bay is. Like, I'm so sorry. And the prince is like, it's all right. Like, whatever. And he goes home. So the next night is the next night of the festival. Remember, this is a three night festival. Cinderella does the same ass thing. She goes to her mom's grave. She gets some fucking clothes. She goes to the festival. This night, she looks even more banging than the last night. And the prince does the same thing. He doesn't let literally anyone else touch her all night. And he's like, I'm fucking walking you home. And she's like, yeah, totally, absolutely. So she goes and they're walking and they get to their house. But this time, there ain't a dovecoat because the dad last night fucking tore that shit apart. So now she's like, fuck, what am I going to do? So they get to her house and she just runs away and climbs a tree. <laughs> and she climbs this tree and the prince is like, where did she go? It's a fucking mess. I can't climb up after her, clearly. I can't see her, apparently. Where has this lady gone? And she climbs all the way up the tree and then climbs all the way back down on the opposite side of the tree. So let's think about this. Think about the last tree you saw. Was it big enough for somebody to hide behind? Probably not. But clearly, 
this is what Cinderella does. She climbs the opposite side of the tree back down and then does the same thing as last night. Runs well, she back was to malnutrition. <laughs> you know good and well Fair. that this horrible family who was using Fair. her as a slave was not feeding her right. Fair. She probably is like a fucking toothpick at Yeah, this point. she probably weighed like 85 pounds and was a good like five foot tall. She's also if probably that. like maybe 14 at this point. So Yeah, you know. she's a little <laughs> kid. She could hide behind a skinny tree. She, she'd be all right. So she does the same thing as the night before. She goes back to her mom's grave and gives the clothes back. And then she goes back to her house, puts her regular ass clothes on, lays down in the fireplace. The dad and the stepmom and the stepsisters come home again. And the prince is there again. The prince is like, my bae climbed your fucking tree. I don't know what to do. And the dad is like, oh, okay, it's no worries. The tree. And Go he chops he chops his own fucking tree down. Yeah. And there ain't nobody in the fucking tree. And they're like, question mark, question mark, question mark. And they go back into the house. It couldn't possibly Cinderella. No, absolutely not. And Cinderella is sleeping in the ashes like normal. And they're like, sorry, I'm so sorry, Prince. I have no idea what to say. And the prince All is we like, got is a slave girl. So sorry. sorry. Couldn't have so been her. Sorry. He goes home. Now we are at the last night of the festival. And she does the same thing again. This night, she looks the best AF, the best she's ever fucking loved. The prince is like literally not a single fucking person better even look at her because she's fucking mine. And he's prepared tonight. He is like, this girl has gotten away from me two nights now. So he has a plan. At the end of the night, Cinderella is like, I can't fucking walk back to the house like I have been because it has been a disaster. So she just starts trying to run away just right when the night is over. But the prince has spread essentially what is tar, like black tar, (laughs) all over the steps of his palace. And he's like, fucking try and run away (laughs) that, bitch. She gets away. But of course, one of her shoes is stuck in the tar because it's tar. So she gets off, but he's like, I have this fucking shoe. He now knows where this woman lives because he's taken her to her own fucking house twice now. (laughs) And she just disappeared. So he goes back to her house and is like, I don't know who the fuck this shoe belongs to, but she clearly fucking lives in your house. And she's my wife because I need her. So give me all the women in your house right now. They're trying the shoe on so I can get my wife. The dad is like, no, yeah, absolutely. I can do that. So he brings his stepdaughters, right? The first stepdaughter takes the shoe back into the other room. She's trying the shoe on. From what I understand of this description, it seems like her foot is too wide. Because what is described is that the length of the shoe is okay, but her big toe doesn't fit. So her foot is too wide for the shoe. And her mom is like, just cut your fucking big toe off. Like, when you're a queen, you ain't gonna walk anywhere. Everyone's just gonna carry you everywhere. Just cut your big toe off. Cut the toe off for when you are queen, you will never have to go on foot. Yep. And so this is clearly reasonable. So the stepdaughter does that, cuts her fucking toe off. She sucks it the fuck up puts her foot in the shoe and walks out. And the prince is like, oh shit, you're my wife. Gets on the horse. They're riding away. It is only when they pass Cinderella's mother's grave where the tree is with the bird that gives you anything you wish for. 
there's two birds, by the way, sitting around here now, just FYI. And the birds are like, bruh, did you look at her fucking foot? There's, there's blood, blood all shoe. up in that shit. This ain't your bride. And the Clearly that like, ain't the right shoe. What is, what is that? And he looks over and there's blood all up on the shoe. And the prince is like, oh shit, you ain't my wife. Bring yeah. the stepsister back. This was supposed to be like the 1300s. Bitch would have bled out by now. This is what I'm saying. Like, she would have fainted. The minute she tried to cut her own toe off, she would have yeah. fainted. She would have Much fainted. Less. She would have bled out. She would have bled out from blood loss from her big toe being cut off and the infection of cutting her own toe off with who knows what unsanitary ass knife they use. Like, bitch would have died. I'm just saying, what are you telling me? She sucked it the fuck up. She just chopped her own toe off. She's passed dead. out. D-E-D she ain't, dead. She ain't awake right now. <laughs> like, yeah, D-E-D dead. She ain't alive. That's done. <laughs> so, that story's done. But they take her back, and he's like, try the fuck again, bitches. And they're like, we're so sorry. We'll try again. The second stepsister takes the shoe back into the back-ass room. Now, the clear thing is that her foot is narrow enough, but it's too long. And the stepmom's like, just cut your fucking heel off. Again, when you're queen, you ain't gonna have to be walking anywhere. Newsflash, this this mother is fucking insane. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely insane. But apparently the stepsister is like, all right. Sure, I want to be queen. heel off. Let's be queen. Let's get get it. Let's do it. Sucks the fuck up, puts her foot in the shoe. The same thing happens. They're going by Cinderella's mom's grave. And the birds say the same thing. Like, bitch, what did I tell you the first time? Look at her fucking shoe. There's blood everywhere. How are you this blind? And And if you weren't sick before, you definitely have some sort of blood poisoning from the blood that your sister put on the shoe before you that you put on after you cut on your heel. Like, y'all all all getting syphilis. All y'all fucked at this point. And the prince is like, oh shit, you're right. There's blood again. Of course there's blood. So I gotta take this bitch back. Are there any other eligible maidens in the house? In this house. That's what I'm saying. And the dad is like, well, no. And the prince is like, really, no? And the dad is like, well, I mean, like, we have Cinderella, but, like, it it can't be her. She's deformed, which is the first and only descriptor of her being deformed in the entire story. So it is unclear here if she was supposed to be deformed the entire time or if the dad is just, like, fucking with the prince yeah which like this is unclear this is actually the most interesting part of the story for me because i've read this version and seen a bunch of cinematic versions and in nearly all of the cinematic versions there is no dad like the dad has passed Mm -hmm. away and that's why there is a stepmom and stepsisters Mm -hmm. but in the version where there is a dad the dad is a hundred percent always on cinderella's side like, he's trying to defend her from the stepmom and the stepsisters, and he's trying to help her out. And it's so interesting that in this version, the dad is just, like, a fuck-up, and he's like, nah, It's funny you say up. that, too, because that's actually a staple in grim fairy tales, that the father figures and the male figures are actually always the ones that show the redeeming qualities. So Cinderella actually does stand out as one of the fairy tales where the dad actually 
is not on the heroine or hero's side because so usually weird. they are usually That's the dad is like you said fighting the mom slash the stepmom or whatever other female force That's but, so interesting that yeah. this one mm-hmm. story in the grim fairy tales where it's the opposite where the dad is like a son of a bitch that in all the versions that came after that all the retellings of cinderella like the dad is still a good guy. Like they followed, mm-hmm. they followed the grim recipe of a dad, but this is the only case where they shouldn't have followed that. That's so mm-hmm. interesting. Very strange. Yeah. Cinderella sticks out as one of those anomalies, even in lit circles, because the Grimm brothers are very notorious for that was one of the things that they actually changed a lot in the folk tales that they acculturated from other areas in Europe was that they upheld the like male sort of um, chivalrous kind of being good and being noble type of thing. And this is one of those tales where they didn't do that. And it's very like interesting and intriguing to try and question why. But regardless, for whatever the fuck reason, the dad's like, oh, no, no. She's like, she's deformed. She's gross AF. Like, they can't be Cinderella. The prince is like, I don't give a fuck. Bring her here. Because at this point, I know she lives here. And all the other girls you show me ain't it. The stepmom insists again. No, 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 no. She's like, she's hideous. She's ugly. She's dirty AF. Like, I'm sorry, Prince. Like, it just can't be her. Like, I'm just so sorry. You got the wrong house, basically. The prince is like, did I fucking stutter, bitch? And they're like, you know what? You're right. Um, Absolutely. And they finally have to bring Cinderella. And it's obviously her shoe. They put the shoe on her. Which the is prince gross because like, it's for sure covered in blood from both of her steps. At this fucking point, it is disgusting, but she puts it on. And the minute she puts the shoe on, now the prince looks into her face and is like, you know what? Now that I see you with this shoe on your foot, I recognize you. <laughs> You're my wife. Everything's great. The steps are furious, but they can't say anything. As they are riding the horse by the mom's grave the birds in the tree are like yeah yeah there you go that's what we've been fucking trying to say look at that shoe there ain't no more blood that's what i'm saying like you finally got it we've been waiting so there they go there they go no blood on her shoe the shoe's not too small the right bride is she after all Mm -hmm. so they go when the wedding is happening the steps come because obviously cinderella is not going to be the queen so they're like ah shit we gotta fucking ingratiate ourselves hella with her so they're like oh let me like walk you up and down the aisle the stepsisters are walking with her but cinderella now has these two birds that have lived at mom's grave this whole time and the birds essentially throughout the entire ceremony slowly not all at once slowly peck out the eyes of the stepsisters and like they at first pick out one eye of each and the stepsisters are like ah fuck one of my eyes is gone but they like continue and they hang out for the ceremony and when they're walking back the fucking birds pick out their other eyes and they're blind 
and they are very clearly, as the Brother Grimms tell us, blinded because of their shitty ass attitudes. Hey. That is Cinderella. All right. So all of Cinderella is a mess. We can pretty much agree that. <laughs> but let me tell you, if I was one of the fucking wicked stepsisters, if a bird got anywhere near my face, I'm swatting at that bitch. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care what fucking royal wedding I'm a part of. If that bird is anywhere near my fucking face, I'm swatting at that bitch. There's no how, way. How did this bird get so close to there's you? There's no they way a bird is pecking one of my eyes out. And then, like five minutes later, pecking my other eye out. That's not fucking happening. I would have hit that bitch with a baseball bat hidden under my dress. Like, no, that's not the thing that's happening. There's so much shit wrong with this story. (laughs) But I will say, if you have just, like, never watched a movie in your life before, there is about a (laughs) hundred different versions of Cinderella. uh, Cinematic versions of Cinderella. There is a Disney animated classic, which everyone has probably seen. They probably grew up with that version. It has the songs, uh, A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. Like a lot of the really classic Disney songs are sung in that film. It's got Lady Tremaine and, you know, the two Wicked Stepsisters. I will say a lot, and I'm going to say like 99% probably of all the cinderella movies that have ever been made leave out the father Mm -hmm. on purpose i feel like they all tried to conform to the idea of the all the other grim fairy tales where the dad is kind of like on the heroine side and the reason that happens in most of the films is that the dad dies and then that's why cinderella is kind of forced into slavery like her her stepmom ends up because otherwise if she has a parent figure that does love her why no is this even happening exactly. exactly so basically in every version ever the dad ends up dying and then the stepmother takes over control of the manor and forces cinderella to be a slave so that is different across pretty much all the versions yes in, in the film, entire cause, board because i honestly i'm like racking my brain for a version where the dad makes it all the way to the end to the wedding and i can't think of one the nope. closest i can I can think of in cinema that I've seen of versions where Cinderella has a dad, at least for a moment is in ever after with Drew Barrymore. Yes. Um, when she's a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that dies. version of Cinderella actually shows Cinderella's dad and it shows her mom passing away, her dad grieving her mom, her dad finding Lady Tremaine and wedding Lady Tremaine. And then mm-hmm. his his death, and this all happens in like the first 15 minutes of the movie, and then Lady Tremaine treating Cinderella like shit, mm-hmm. and her becoming a slave, basically. And Ever After, BT-dub, side note, is literally one of the greatest movies that has ever been created. You gotta watch yes, it. Yes, it is a really good version of Cinderella. It is, it is correct time-wise. You don't often... Yes. You, you don't often, in the Cinderella story, get a version that is set in the time that was it was written that's set in an in an accurate time but ever after does a really good job with that like one of her really good friends in ever after actually ends up being leonardo da vinci which is completely accurate for the time exactly the version in disney lore that everyone has pretty much seen that everyone grew up with 
that version doesn't give you a specific timeline, but based on the like clothing and the way that, that the castle is and the way that everything is kind of set up, it's set up in the future from where the original story takes place. It's yes. more set in like the 1800s rather than like yes, the late 1800s, not yeah. the early 1800s. Yeah, rather than yes. the 14, 1500s where the Cinderella story is actually supposed to take place. And then there's modern retellings as well of the Cinderella tale, such as the Cinderella story, which came out in like 2004 with Hilary Duff and Chad Michael. Murray. Oh yeah. One of um, my fave movies, fucking yeah, Chad Michael Murray. It's a really good movie, but it's really a modernized version of the Cinderella yes, story for sure. Quite. Like the the stepmom is all about like plastic surgery and you know just absurd SoCal bullshit. Mm-hmm. And Hilary Duff Cinderella is like she works at a diner. And she has to take care of all the chores around the house. And her stepsisters are like the bitchy popular girls. Like it's a very interesting take, but not exactly the take of Grimm's fairy tales. Like there were a lot of liberties taken. So I would say read the Grimm fairy tale. It's like four pages. It's so fucking short. All the Grimm fairy tales are very short. So read Rapunzel and read Cinderella. But also when you get a chance, pick any cinematic version of these stories there are quite a few less of Rapunzel than there are of Cinderella. Yes. They're all pretty good. Not all of them have the complete story. Like you're not going to get exactly what's in the Grimm story in any of these, but they each have their redeeming qualities and are good in their own way. So now that we've heard about the amazingness that is Grimm's fairy tales, I'm going to take you to a place that is not so far in the past as Grimm fairy tales. But to a place called the 60s where everything was fucking wild, y'all. Ah, shit. Okay. So in the 60s, there was a wonderful movie made by the Disney Corporation. Sorry, I really like Disney, so I'm going to talk about them a lot. Um, There was a wonderful movie made by Disney called The Parent Trap. Okay. I was going to say, like, what are you about to tell me right now? Because there's some shit from our childhoods that I'm like... Now, in yes! in the 1960s version of The Parent Trap, it starred Disney darling Haley Mills. And if you don't recognize her by name, but you grew up watching a lot of Disney stuff, you would recognize her from Pollyanna. She was also mm-hmm. in uh, Thomasina, The Cat with Nine Lives. You would recognize mm-hmm. her from The Parent Trap. She was all over the place in, Everywhere. The, in the Disney films. So... She was the star and played the main characters in The Parent Trap. Now, that version was great and everybody loved it. And it had a great song called uh, Let's Stick Let's Together. Let's together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you and I combine? Okay. I uh, had that song stuck in my head all the fucking time. Yes. All okay. the time. So that is the song, the quintessential song from this movie. Okay. Now, when Sam and I were young... In the 90s, Disney started their whole, like, empire of remakes. And Are you covering the Lindsay fucking Lohan And version? in 1998, they released <laughs> the Lindsay Lohan version of The Parent Trap. Which, I'm so happy right now. Which, if you talk to anyone born in the 90s, this is the only version of The Parent Trap that exists, basically. <laughs> 
I picked these movies, guys, just so I can get this re- reaction so out of Sam. Right so happy this, right now. this is all for Sam. I love you all, but this this is solely for <laughs> Sam. For Sam's this reaction. entire podcast is pretty much essentially for each other, and you just get to listen because we're just that great. Yes, thank um, you for listening to us fangirling <laughs> over each other's choices. We're <laughs> we're just kidding, obviously. Thank you so much for your audience and your um, viewership, and we love you all. Um, we just don't love you all more than we love each other. okay so for anyone who wasn't like 10 in 1998 when this movie came out like me and sam basically so excited right now the story of the parent trap is exactly what it sounds it is a trap to get parents together so in the 1998 version it opens on a boat where there is a wedding happening the wedding is between nick parker and elizabeth james and it opens on the song love by nat king cole and it's a montage of their wedding the way you look at me yes oh is for the only one i see exactly which is also trivia alert in the little rascals just fyi yes it is also in the little rascals that song is very popular in 90s cinema absolutely So, so it opens on this wedding and it shows all these, this montage of the wedding. It shows their dance, they're cutting the cake, they're taking the pictures, they're doing the whole thing, right? But it's all a montage set to this song. You also don't see their faces. No, I you don't really like, see their stipulate. faces in, until they take a picture. Yes. As the song ends, they take a picture for posterity, mm. and then the movie cuts to a black screen, and it says 11 years and nine months later. Then it cuts on to a summer camp called Camp Walden, in Maine, and it follows the story of Hallie Parker, who has just arrived at camp, and she's trying to get settled in. She's from California. She lives on a winery, and, you know, this is a whole new experience for her, so she makes some friends getting her luggage out, and she goes to her cabin. I'm so Uh, happy. A few minutes into being in the camp, she is fencing, and she's kicking everybody's ass. Then all of a sudden, another girl decides to join the fight and was like, all right, I'll fence you. Like, let's see what you got. She jumps in. They start fencing. The new girl wins. Uh And the new girl's name is Annie James. Now, at the end of their fencing match, both girls take off their helmets and have to shake hands. Like, good game, right? They take off their helmets. Sportsmanship. Yay. So they take off their masks and they turn towards each other and they finally get to look each other in their face. It's been like a week. They've been at camp for a week and they haven't met each other yet. So they take their hats off, they look at each other and they're fucking identical. And everyone else around them at the camp is like, the fuck? Uh, What just happened? Static brains. And both the girls are like silent for a significant amount of time just like looking each other dead in the face like, the fuck mirror am I looking at? <laughs> yeah, like, what exactly. the hell is what happening? Just happened? And finally, Annie, who is the one who won the fencing match, is like, uh, oh my god, do you see what's happening? And do you see the resemblance? And the other girl's like, oh, uh, what resemblance? Bitch, I'm no. better than you in every way. Yes. So in that meeting, we learned that Hallie is more of the tomboy, like tough yes. girl. And Annie is the proper girl. She's from London. She's very, very proper and British. Yes. So, The next 
section of the movie is basically Annie has this beef with Hallie. So Annie hosts a poker night in her bunk and she's kicking everybody's ass because she's like a pro at poker because she's been taught by her grandpa and her butler and all these other people. Then Hallie comes into the cabin is like, nah, bitch, like you beat me at fencing, but let's fucking go. So she plays her in a game of poker and Annie thinks that she's won. She puts down a flush and Hallie's like, uh, in your royal honor, a royal flush, bitch. And she throws it down on the table and she grabs all the money and all the nail polish because it's a fucking yes. girls camp for 12 year olds. Right. <laughs> what else are you going to be betting? So she wins all the stuff and a bet that they had made that the loser had to jump in the lake naked. Yes. So Annie, proper British girl, has to strip all the way down and jump in the lake. So she does that, and then Hallie and her friends steal all of Annie's clothes and run back to their cabins. And oh. Annie declares, that's it. It's war. Absolutely not. You it's are war. my enemy. No, we done, bitch. Yes. The next day, Hallie and her camp and her bunk go to play basketball, and they're coming back to, like, take a nap before lunch or whatever from playing basketball. And their beds are on top of their roof of their bunk, with a British flag. So we know that Annie was responsible. Mm-hmm. Then Hallie is like, oh, fuck, no, you didn't just do that. So <laughs> Hallie and her bunk friends go into Annie's bunk and booby trap the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. They put honey all over a girl. They put shaving cream all over one other girl. They put like honey on the ground. There's like chocolate <laughs> syrup in a bucket on the roof. There's feathers on the fan. Like, every booby trap you've ever seen in a 90s film is in this scene. Ta-da. Like, being just attached to Wonderfully Annie. Wonderfully like, abused. Wonderfully executed. Okay, the next morning, Annie wakes up, and she sits her feet on the ground, and she steps in honey and starts sliding around. And she starts screaming, because she stepped in honey. And all the other girls wake up and realize they're covered in honey and chocolate and whatever the fuck. And start screaming. Then the runners of the camp, the Marvas, Marva Sr. and Marva Jr. show up at the dorm and is like, uh, bunk checks. Like, what's going on in this bunk? You guys are screaming. Yeah. And and Hallie, who is the tomboy one who set all the pranks up, is like, uh, someone in that cabin's sick. Maybe you shouldn't go in there. And then British Lindsay Lohan is like, no, our bunk's fine. There's no reason for you not to come in. Come on in. They open the door and a big ass bucket of chocolate syrup falls on the camp counselors and they slip and slide all the way into the cabin and then they set the fan off and feathers fall onto them. So they're basically tar and feathered and the older camp counselor is like, all right, you and you, the two twins, get the fuck to the isolation cabin. Fuck you guys. Hmm? All fucked up. Y'all need to get your shit together. Yeah. So they go to the isolation cabin and everything is exactly how you picture it for two girls who hate each other the first couple of days. It's radio silence. Neither one of them is talking to each other. They're arguing about whether the light should be on or off. Like, it's just right. fucking daggers. They're I hate you. You hate me. We are 11. Remember when you were 11? That level of anger. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. They fucking hate each other. So a couple of days in, there's a big storm and Hallie, the tomboy, is busy putting up pictures on her wall, like in her little corner of the room. 
and her window is open because nice cool air but the storm like blows this big gust of wind and it fucks up all her pictures and annie comes to help her shut the window because it's stuck and they bond over leonardo dicaprio so basically holly's like I mean, uh, the only thing that got fucked up was my picture of Leo DiCaprio. And Annie's <laughs> like, who the fuck is that? And then they get into a whole conversation about that. Oh, no. Like, bitch, I'm so sorry. You do not know this gorgeous human being. Yes. So that's where the gates of communication kind of open up, is this chance happening that a storm rolled by and they needed both of them to shut the window. Then they kind of start talking about their lives and Hallie asks how far away London is. And Annie says, you know, it's only 3000 miles away, but sometimes it feels like a lot more. And then Hallie's like, Hey, do you want some Oreos? Annie says, you know, it's kind of weird, but I always eat those with peanut butter. And Hallie's like, Oh, me too. Here's some fucking peanut butter. Like, let's Um, go. Yeah. There's like weird coincidence. Number one. And they slowly start talking about... Besides the fact, let's just hold on. I need to pause. And you all need to remember, they look the fucking same. Yes, these are both being played by Lindsay Lohan. They're identical. They're identical twins. This shit is fucking weird. But they're trying to avoid (laughs) the fact that they're identical. Like, they're trying to just ignore that. Yes, yes. who knows? They're just doppelgangers, okay? There's supposedly seven doppelgangers of everyone in the world, so we're just going to ignore that part. Right. So they slowly start talking and chatting about their lives and the things that they like, and eventually they stumble upon the knowledge that Hallie grew up with just a dad. She's never met her mom and only has one picture of her mom that she's ever had. She found it in her dad's sock drawer. He was hiding it from her. But he found her looking at it so many times that he was just like, fuck it, keep it. Yeah, you can keep it. Annie also grew up with only a mom, no dad, has only one picture of her dad. And we find out that this picture is actually only half of one ripped ass picture, not even a whole picture. Mm-hmm. And Annie's like, I bet your picture of your mom is actually a whole picture. Mine's just some shitty like ripped piece of crap. So then Hallie's like, uh, actually, Mm -hmm. and then they both hold their pictures to their chest and they say, okay, on the count of three, we show each other the pictures. And they go, one, two, three, they show each other the pictures and they put them together and guess what? They fucking fit. Ta-da! Because they're identical twins who were separated at birth by their shitty parents who got divorced. never happens. If you find your doppelganger, you are a twin please question your parents (laughs) fuck fuck those parents yes okay a thousand percent so the girls discover via this one ripped picture that they each had of their opposing parent that they didn't grow up with that they are actually twins hallie and annie because obviously i couldn't have fucking figured that out because you have my face yes they have (laughs) matching necklaces that each have their initials on them that they were given at birth Mm -hmm. they have the weird picture and from that moment on when they it's obvious when they real they each say that's my mom that's my dad Mm -hmm. then they become their best buds they hug it out they're like oh fuck like we're sisters we were separated at birth 
what the hell? I've always felt there was something that was missing. Now I know what it was. Yeah. So they spend the next couple of days getting to know each other and kind of realizing all of these things that they missed out on because they weren't siblings. Yeah. And then in the middle of the night, one of the nights after they discover their twins, Hallie comes up with an idea and she says, oh shit, I've got a brilliant plan. Like, listen up. What if we swap places and all go to London and meet my mom, who I've never met, but I've always wanted to meet. And you will take my place and go to Napa and hang out with dad, who you always wanted to meet. We will teach each other about everything. We'll teach each other about our houses, about our nanny butlers. We'll We'll get all of the experience that we've missed in our 11 years of life. We We will swap places and we will figure it out. And eventually... When the parents figure it out, where they're gonna have to swap us back, and they're going to they have to meet. meet. So we are making a fucking parent trap. Yes. Okay, we're halfway. They gonna have to own up to their fucking shit. They yes. gonna have to look us in the eyes and be like, "Oh shit, this is what My we fucking you did to you guys." Exactly. Yes. We're halfway through this movie, and we've come to the title point: parent trap. Yep. Okay, so they spend the rest of their time at camp in the isolation cabin. They spend it learning about each other's lives. So Hallie learns everything she needs to know about the house in England. They draw floor plans in like markers. They've got, you know, family trees, diagrams, like here's who mom is, here's who granddad is, here's who the butler is. They teach each other, you know, special handshakes and secret knowledge that only that person would know. Yep. Um, they cut Annie's hair to match Hallie's because Hallie has shoulder length hair and Annie has long hair. They mm-hmm. even give Annie earrings. They pierce her yeah, ears. Yeah, I was going to say, my mom, like when I was super obsessed with this movie when it came out, one of my biggest memories of it is that my mom, because she like watched it with me, she was always like, that's how I got my ears pierced. That's because- how I got my ears pierced. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. My mom was like, yeah, they didn't, like, obviously have fucking Claire's when I was a kid or whatever. And, like, yeah, that's how I got my ears pierced was they put a fucking porous fruit behind your ear. And they were like, all right, going to heat this fucking needle ass up. Like, are you ready? One, two, three. Shit. That's like, how. So Leslie pierced my ears like that when I was 16. Fun mm-hmm. fact. I don't know if you knew that, but it happened in the back room at the house. Leslie did it with a safety pin. The ear piercing holes that I still have were done via a safety pin and some ice and a lemon, like with Leslie. Like she did that when I was 16 Mm -hmm. because I wasn't old enough to go to Claire's and get it done myself because you have to be 18 to get it done. And I wasn't about to wait. Or you have to have parental um, consent if you're under 18 because that's what happened for me. Yeah, that was too much. I was going to say that's why I had my ears pierced was because my mom and my best friend tricked me. They went into Claire's and got the consent and set the appointment up, but they didn't tell me when we were there. And then they were like, all right, let's go into Claire's. All right, let's go over here. Yeah. You know what? Why don't you fucking sit right here? And then all of a sudden I was getting my ears pierced and I was super pissed. Yeah. Well, I I had gotten my ears pierced before. I got my ears pierced when I was 11, 11 or 12. But, you and I both, I think, got our ears pierced when we were super young. But mine but, got infected and yeah, I had to take same. them out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't want to go to Claire's again when it was mm-hmm. time for me to actually get my ears pierced. Me so too. I had my best friend do it with ice and safety pin. 
it was intense. Okay, so Annie and Hallie, Jesus, I keep there we like, go. combining the names. Yes. Annie and Hallie switch <laughs> places when camp is over. So Hallie gets in the limo, goes to the airport, and flies to London to be with her mom. And Annie gets on a plane, goes to Napa, California, and gets to be with her dad. And finally, they get to experience what it's like to be around their other family members they haven't got a chance to experience. Mm -hmm. Coincidentally, of course, because the parents in all versions of the parent trap suck, the person who notices first that the kids are not where they're supposed to be is the nanny and the butler. Mm-hmm. So the nanny in Napa, Jesse, almost, like, mm. almost immediately, like within a day, realizes... You ain't the real kid. Realizes yeah. that that's not the Hallie that went to camp. <laughs> and uh, the butler, Martin, in England, realizes this is probably not Annie. And this, not there's something this weird. Child. So they realize it, but they keep it secret. Beyond all belief and protocol, what should happen what would be normal, exactly. Yeah, the nanny and the butler keep it silent and let the kids explain to the parents what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Hallie gets to experience her mom. They go to a bridal shop. There's a whole montage of them hanging out in Britain, it's doing gorgeous. all this, cool, doing all this cool shit. They go to the um, yeah, because our mom is like a like a fashion she's a wedding designer. dress designer. Yeah. And then they go to Abbey Road and they walk the sidewalk on, or the mm-hmm. crosswalk on Abbey Road and they do a whole thing. And it's amazing. And Annie, the actual Annie, who is taking the place of Hallie in California, mm-hmm. it's not having as great of an experience. So she gets home and is ready to learn all about her father and hang out with her dad and all these things. And every step along the way, she gets stopped because her dad keeps bringing along this woman, Meredith, who we learn eventually she's a gold digger. But at the moment, she's just the girlfriend of the dad Mm -hmm. who has basically taken Hallie's place while Hallie was at summer camp. So all the fun adventures that Hallie and her dad would have gone on when she got back got replaced by this woman, Meredith, who is this rich, stuck-up 24-year-old bitch and her goal in life is just to send Hallie to a reform school. To reform basically. school, yeah, yeah. To boarding school. Like, bye, bitch. This is mine. You ain't here is essentially what she wants. I don't care where I fucking send you, but you don't need to be here. Yeah, basically. So Allie in California lets Jesse in on the secret. Like Jesse figured it out basically, but she finally is like, oh yeah, I'm not Hallie. I'm Annie. I belong in England. You gotta fucking keep this shit. I need to make a phone call to England. Like, (laughs) hi. Yeah. (laughs) So she calls the real Hallie in England and they talk and she's like, yo, 911, dad is about to get married to this horrible woman and she wants to send Ain't us to the boarding business. school and all this shit. So then Hallie, who's in England, comes clean to her mom and explains, I'm actually Hallie Parker. I'm not Annie. I belong in Napa with Nick Parker, who's mm-hmm. your ex-husband. Do you remember um, him? You your daughter him on a boat. <laughs> yes. Your daughter is with him in Napa, and I need to get there as soon as possible. Right now. So, arrangements are made because everybody's fucking rich in this world. Well, and- right. Well, I mean, like, to be fair, like, the mom is, like, a wedding designer. So, yeah, and the, he runs the a way winery. that they pick They're this... Rich. 
Yeah, exactly. The way that they picked this, it was like, okay, thank you very much for choosing that because otherwise none of this would have made sense. You've got to be fucking rich to be able to do this. Yeah. So basically they drop what they're doing. The whole family in England drops what they're doing and Hallie, the mom, and the butler all go to Napa to meet up with the dad basically and swap the kids back. Right. The kids still have this idea in their head that they're going to get the parents back together because Absolutely. they want to be a whole family. They don't want to lose out All they had to do was just their adjust their right? time plan. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. this ain't a fucking thing that fucks it up. It's just a bump in the road that we've got to just, like, yeah. incorporate into our plan. Yeah, so they meet at this hotel, and Annie and Hallie get to be in the same room with the mom, and that's great. And Jesse and Martin are there, both the butler and the nanny from Napa. They all get to be there. Basically, everyone's in on it, except for the dad, Dennis Quaid. Except for the parents, yes. Well, no, the mom's there, too. So, except for the dad and Meredith. That's what I'm saying. The young girl. The parents, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the mom is in on it and she's like, the fuck is going on? Like, he's getting remarried. Oh, shit. What are we going to do? What am I going to do? I'm freaking the fuck out. I haven't seen this dude in 12 years. Like, do I look okay? What do I do? She basically gets I don't fucking, even fucking know what's gonna loaded. Happen. She gets yes. loaded. Like She's she, like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the bar and I'm going to have like 40 shots. And yeah. then I won't fucking care what happens because I won't remember it. Yeah. Great. So she Wonderful gets plan. fucking <laughs> loaded. And while she's getting loaded, she meets Nick's fiance, Meredith, at the bar. And Meredith is like... Hey, I love your wedding dress designs. Like, yes. can you make my wedding? And unknowingly, she agrees right. to make the wedding dress because exactly. she's like, yeah, I'm a wedding dress designer. I don't, I don't know, know who the fuck, fuck you is. I yes. don't know who you're marrying, but sure, I'll do your shit. And then Hallie and Annie, like they do, come up with this intricate plan on how to fucking confuse their father and fuck up his engagement to Meredith (laughs) and get him to realize that his wife, Elizabeth, is in the same hotel and that both girls are together. Because he still hasn't realized that the twins are together. He is the last one to realize. Aren't they always? And it's Dennis Quaid, by the way. Like, let's just, like, fucking talk about the fact that this is Dennis Quaid that is playing the dad. It's great. And um, if you don't know who Dennis Quaid is, I'm so sorry, but you will after this movie. And if you do know who Dennis Quaid is, this movie is peak fucking Dennis Quaid. It is exactly who he is. It is exactly who you need to like think of when you think of who Dennis Quaid is. It's yep. this movie. <laughs> yes. Eventually, at this hotel, they end up out by the pool. And Dennis Quaid is like getting a drink or something for Meredith. Yeah, he's trying. Yeah, he's going out. Yeah, he's like getting something for Meredith or whatever. But he hasn't been out here this whole time. And now that he comes out here, like everyone's out here all of a sudden. So the whole squad is out here. Yes. Jesse, the nanny is out here. Fucking Martin, the butler is out there. His ex-wife, Elizabeth James, she's out there. She's laying Mm -hmm. down like tanning or whatever. And Dennis Quaid is, like, walking around, going to go get his fiance a drink. And Lindsay Lohan pops up on one side and is like, hey, dad. And then she pops up on the other side. Hey, dad. And then it's fucking Annie and Hallie on both sides. And he's like, wait a minute. 
what the fuck? Like back, like literally, like Hold thirty on. seconds, just I'm back and forth. I'm like, clearly hallucinating. Yes. So he freaks out that both of the girls are in the same place, and then he falls in the pool because he's so freaked <laughs> out. Dennis Quaid, because Dennis, Dennis Quaid. Quaid, basically. Yes. <laughs> then they eventually get him out they dry him off they're talking to his ex-wife elizabeth and they're like oh yeah the twins played a switch up on us who knew we sent them to the same camp haha and they come up with this plan about how to keep the girls together they're like, throughout ah, the shit. Year. they've apparently met now we have to figure out custody shit this yeah now the yes. conversation. so they're trying to figure out custody stuff so they're like, okay, well, you can have them in the summers and I'll take them during the school year and we'll and do this and And the other one is like, no, and I kids, want them during summer and yeah. Well, no, it's not even that the parents were arguing about it. It's the kids. The mm-hmm. girls were like, I want to be around my sister all the time. Like, you guys need to figure it the fuck out, but we want to be together all the time. Yeah. You're so, going to have to deal with each other. The kids suggest, how about we go on a family camping trip? We will go into the mountains We'll go on a camping trip, the four of us, mom, dad, and Hallie and Annie, and then we will figure it out. So they all agree to that. The next day comes, it's time to leave for the camping trip. Hallie, Annie, and dad are getting the camping stuff ready, getting the car ready to go. And mom rolls up and she's like, "Ah, I decided camping's not really my thing and I'm not going to go camping, but you know what would be great? Meredith. so good. She's We're going to send meredith Super fucking fly because she's gonna be your stepmom soon so you guys need to get used to her so we're gonna send her with you and the kids mm-hmm. are like oh hold the fuck absolutely up. that is not what not. we wanted yes <laughs> we were trying to parent trap you guys and you fucking played us so that's not what's happening right now absolutely not so they get up into the mountains, and the next 30 minutes of this movie is literally just Lindsay Lohan. They're like, Both versions Meredith. of Lindsay Lohan fucking Meredith up. They put a fuck fucking lizard on her water up. bottle. They make her run all around all crazy because they think there's she's like spider. Isn't there one on point they like take her, she's like on the, like a fucking air mattress, and they yes. like drag so her in the out middle, into the lake. So the first yes. night, they set up camp right next to a lake. And in the middle of the night, Hallie and Annie wake up and they grab her fucking air mattress and they pull it out of her tent and they set her adrift on the lake. And when she wakes up in the morning, she's, she's in the middle in the of the, middle fucking, of the lake. fucking lake. And yes. Meredith Blake is, by all accounts, like a stuck-up prissy Hollywood bitch. Absolutely. So, a like, thousand percent. Waking up in the middle of the lake would probably be, like, the hardest nightmare that she had ever had. Yeah. Okay. So, like, for me, like, I'm just a regular person, right? I don't have any, like, I don't have a lot yeah. of money. I've Waking never up been, in the like, middle of the lake, it like, would if be I woke weird, up, but if it I wouldn't woke up be in the lake, I'd be like, terrifying. huh, exactly. how the fuck did I get here? And I would just right. paddle my ass back to the shore. And Try I'd be and like, figure this shit out. that was weird, but cool. What the fuck? Yeah, like, big deal. I was going camping anyways. Like, I'm on a raft in the middle of a lake. Cool. Yeah. But this bitch freaks the fuck out and screams. And she falls off into the lake. And the kids are just like, haha, bitch. Like, you thought. You thought. You thought. And the dad's like, guys, that was not cool. How dare you? Oops. And, and they're, they're like, just like, 
we uh, fucking my hate dad, her. My That's dad. how we did that. Sorry, not sorry. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Exactly. So she makes it back to land and she gets in a fight with the dad and is like the second that we get back to the fucking like house, I am signing these kids up for boarding school. We will not see their ass until the summertime. Like, fuck this. That was bullshit. And the dad is like, mm, no, that's not going to work for me. Absolutely Bye, bitch. Not. And she throws her engagement ring and the engagement is off. Done. Yeah. Thank God. So they get back to Nick's house from the giant camping trip. And he explains to Jesse and Martin and the mom, like, yeah, Meredith left me. Like, the kids were too much. Our situation was too much. Blah, blah, blah. And Elizabeth, who has continually had the hots for Nick, like, she never stopped loving him. And he never stopped loving her. Yeah, exactly. Like all movies, they end up back together and they kiss at the end and they become one big happy family. Uh, They don't quite explain at the end of the movie how they made the like London bridal shop and Napa winery workout. But we know that they they ended up together and the girls got to have like a full family. At this point. So like probably online happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, So they end up together, and other coincidences in this movie, uh, the butler and the nanny end up together. Jesse and Martin end up being in a relationship together. So So cute. Everyone gets a happy ending. Hallie and Annie get to be sisters together, and Dennis Quaid and Natasha Richardson get to be together. It wraps up very nicely. This will be an everlasting love. This will be. Yes. Exactly. Okay, things I gotta say about this movie. This fucking soundtrack is one of the most fire soundtracks you will ever listen to. Mm -hmm. Like, even if you don't, if you don't like Lindsay Lohan, sure, whatever. If you don't like this film, sure, whatever. Fucking download this soundtrack. Yes. It is fucking fire. Like, both the traditional soundtrack, like the classical version of the soundtrack, and the pop version of the soundtrack, they are both fantastic, and I love them, and you will love them too. Even if you don't like this movie, if you just listen to both of those soundtracks, they are fucking great. Yes. All right. A thousand gazillion percent. No. This will be an everlasting love trivia about me as a person when Shelly and I were doing like performances when I was in high school one of the ones that we did when like we were the Lativas with like me and her and um two of our other friends that was one of the songs that we did and I had to be one of the sopranos on it and it is like I'm gonna raise my fucking mic up so it's like <laughs> like it was like one of the highest fucking shit that i've ever fucking sang and i was belting it like right now i just did it in my head voice and that's how loud it was i was belting it when we were fucking performing it yeah it was in fucking sanity my favorite part of that song is the fast part when she starts singing really fast and she's like, and I'm hugging and squeezing and kissing and loving and loving and whatever. Yeah, I fucking love that part of that song. 
even though I fuck up the words every single time. Like as I've long read as I'm living, your love will be given to you all forever, forever, whatever. That's what it yes. is. Yes, I have been listening to that song and reading those lyrics for years, and still I fuck it up. Like for whatever reason, I cannot stick those words like correctly in my head. But it's I fuck to you. I'll be. Oh fuck! To, what is it? It's so long you, as I'm living. True, true love, love I'll, be, I'll given be given to, to you, you. I'll be something because you're so deserving. Beca- yes, to you I'll be serving because you're yeah. so deserving. To you I'm de- to you I'll be serving. The first one is hugging and squeezing and kissing and pleasing together forever through rain or whatever. So long as I'm living, true, true love, love I'll, I'll be, be given. given to you. So deserving. So deserving. No, no, to it's you I'll to be serving. you I'll be serving because you're so deserving. That's yeah. what it is. Yes, I fucking love that song. That song is fire. And also L-O-V-E by Nat King Cole is fucking fire. Like the whole soundtrack is fucking fire. Great song. Great okay. soundtrack. Now I Everything only have about it. a couple other small parts of trivia for this movie. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan, this was actually her very first film role. Yeah, I was going to say, that wasn't this her, like, fucking debut? Because was she was film. hella young. And she actually skipped school to go to this audition. She was like, um, this could be really important for me. Right, exactly. I'm out. <laughs> so she skipped school, and it paid off for her because this was her very first now role. And she Lohan. fucking exactly. crushed it. Like, Everyone knows who Lindsay Lohan is, even if you don't because like her or whatever. Of this movie. Like exactly. you know who she is she because she got famous the shit out of this, from this movie. Film. It's so good. Yeah. She auditioned for this role and immediately got cast. Like this was her role. And she crushed it. Like not many people can play one person in a giant movie, let alone both main characters in a giant movie. And Lindsay Lohan just fucking delivered. The evil girlfriend, Meredith, in the hotel scene, she has her mother with her because they're preparing for the wedding. So the mom is coming with them because they're going to talk to, you know, wedding dress designers and caterers and all this different stuff. So the mom is there and we get a glimpse at who the mom is. Lo and behold, the mom in the parent trap is actually the original evil girlfriend from the 1960s version of the parent trap named vicky yes the fact the mom vicky original meredith that's what i was trying to say so in the original 1960 version the evil shitty girlfriend was named vicky and in this 1990 version meredith's mom who was played by the same woman who played the original shitty girlfriend was also named vicky so we have some continuity there, like Disney just coming in clutch with the hidden Easter eggs. Like, mm-hmm. so Vicky from the first movie grew up and spawned daughter. the daughter that would become the Meredith. horrible Meredith that tries to destroy Nick and Hallie's father-daughter relationship. So the camp that they go to is Camp Walden in Maine. And if you don't recognize that name, that's okay because the amphitheater that is at Camp Walden is the Thoreau Amphitheater because Henry David Thoreau is a very, very famous fucking author. And he wrote a book called Walden Walden about his fucking years long stay at the edge of Walden Pond. 
don't read it. It is a fucking snooze fest. I had to read, I was forced to read it, you know, like junior year of high school. And it is a mess. Um, but regardless, Henry David Thoreau is very, very famous American author. And his book, Walden, about his stay at Walden Pond is very, very famous. So the fact that this camp is named Walden and their amphitheater is Thoreau is a very cool, like, literary tie-in. Like, throw that in. Like, it's not actually at Lake Walden, but it's cute. So the scene where Hallie booby-traps the entirety of Annie's cabin, they had to shoot that scene several times because the giant water balloon that was supposed to fall and pop on Annie's head wouldn't pop because it was so big. Oh, no. So, so they had to film that scene a bunch of times, and they eventually had to put a fucking tack inside of her hair and hide it in her hairline. And you can kind of see it if you look really closely, really carefully while you watch it. They hit a tack in her hair so that giant balloon would fucking pop when it hit her head, so she would get drenched in that scene. And that's all I got. You should definitely check out this film. Um, if you liked the 1960s version, I highly recommend the 1990s version. It's really, really good. It has a fucking amazing, like I can't stress this enough, amazing soundtrack. And all of the actors that are in this movie are great. It's got Dennis Quaid. It's got Natasha Richardson, R.I.P. It's got fucking Lindsay Lohan. Check this film out. It's really good especially if you have kids. Like, you can watch this film if you don't have kids because it'll still make sense and it'll still be good, especially if you grew up in the 90s. But you didn't grow up in the 90s. I highly recommend watching this with your kids. It's good for all ages. There's jokes that the kids will get. There's jokes that the parents will get. It's an all-around good family fun film, and you should definitely check it out. It's good even when you don't have kids. Like, I don't have any kids. I loved every minute of it. I mean, I grew up on this film. Like, I watched it a ton of times as a kid. So that's probably why I love it so much. But you should definitely check it out. So this has been Real Lit. Thank you for listening in. I hope you appreciate the Brothers Grimm stories that we covered and that you get a chance to check them out on your own. I also hope that you liked my drunken rendition rundown of The Parent Trap. And hope you get a chance to watch it yourself it is also on disney plus so check that That out i was like cue my like description of that in the middle of it being a hick up (laughs) there you go (laughs) yeah so check out this film check out these books we love you very much for listening thank you so much much. as always you can find us on twitter at allentown pod you can email us at allentown presents at gmail.com or you can find us on facebook at allentown presents thank you so much susan dorda for making our beautiful artwork we love you so much you can find her work at www.susandorta.com s-u-s-a-n-d-o-r-t-a.com and as always it's been real and it's been lit. keep it lit real lit oh shit <laughs>